Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Good morning to our live streamers. Hey, and take note, if you're looking for a sermon outline, you can uh, take a shot of that QR code. I think it might give you a 3% off coupon. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, that's... uh... Why don't we start again? Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Hope you're having a wonderful morning. I'm doing great so far, and uh, good morning to our live streamers. But this is week six of a seven-week series. Uh, a series called The Gospel of Wholeness. And has, if you've been here for this series, hasn't this been excellent? Yes, there we go. Seriously, because what I love about The Gospel of Wholeness is that it is very practical, it's helpful, it's, it's biblical. It really is a reminder that the plan of God isn't just to save us from this uh, broken world that we live in, but he also wants to change us. He wants to heal us from the effects of living in a broken world and uh, really, the goal of the gospel is to help lost people return home, return home to their maker, to their God. And uh, so far in this series, we've, we've followed this, we really followed a path of lostness to foundness. And so we're going to do a little bit of review and go through our key verses and concepts. But before we do that, I want to remind you that we have these cool little cards back uh, as you leave today in little baskets. They just have the eight key uh, scriptures verses and concepts, so please pick one of those up. But the first one is Genesis 3, 6 to 13. You can read that on your own. Key concept is sin, the common problem. Our sin, our rebellion against God is what's messed it all up. It's separated us from God. It's separated us from each other. It's even separated us, fractured us within, separated us from ourselves. Number two, Jeremiah 2, 13. Key concept Empty wells. Jeremiah 2.13 is such a, uh, just such a clear scripture. It says that we have committed two sins. One is that we have rebelled against the God, the, really the true well of life. And the second sin is that we've started digging our own wells, looking uh, elsewhere for what only, God, uh, what only God can give. Number three, Galatians 6, 7 through 8, key concept, sowing and reaping, or I believe it's pronounced sowing and reaping uh, in this life. Just making sure you're listening. In this life, uh, we all make decisions every day. And so in a sense, we're always planting seeds. And the seeds that we plant, they're going to grow into something. And they will either grow into good fruit or they'll grow into bad fruit uh, in, in our lives. Number four, Colossians 2, 6. Key concept, turning the corner. Uh, Up to this point in this series, we've really been looking at the problem of sin. And then uh, this week four, there was that turning of the corner where now we're going to start looking more at the solution, at the solution for sin. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Then number five, last weekend, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, key concept, supernatural exchanges. And last weekend, uh, Heather did an excellent job Uh, reminding us that the way we got saved, the way we started a relationship with Jesus is also the way that we now get sanctified, the way that we now get changed. And that is through a supernatural exchange, Uh, which basically means when we do something on earth that has a heavenly effect, our, our decision on earth stirs the heart of God 
And then from heaven, God does something in heaven that has an earthly effect on us. We are now, over time, we are changed from the inside out. Our salvation happened. It happened, we got saved because of a supernatural exchange. This will sound strange if you weren't here last week, but basically uh, getting saved is you go to God and say, God, here's a big piece of lint. Okay, okay. Uh, man, I, am I awake? Am I still sleeping? Uh, here's a big piece of lint. Here is my, here is my broken life, God. Uh, and I don't think it's worth very much. Right? But God looks down and he says, ah, actually, I see incredible value in you. Hey, let's make an exchange. My life for your life. Right? A supernatural exchange. That's how we get saved in the first place. It's the same process for our sanctification. And sanctification is, is just a churchy word for uh, the, the process in this life of God changing us. Of God making us more and more like Jesus, that we would think more like Jesus, talk more like Jesus, uh, and act more like Jesus. And again, it happens through just, it's a, it's a lifelong process of supernatural exchanges. Uh, God, here's my brokenness. Here's my immaturity. Here's, here's my anger. Here's my laziness. Here's my, here are my wounds. Here are my fears. Like It's this constant exchange with God, our brokenness, exchanged for his, his wholeness. So this week, we're going to look at uh, the sixth key concept. But before we do that, let's pray, and then we'll jump in. So Lord, thank you for, uh, just thanks for another opportunity to gather. I thank you for everyone in the room. I thank you for everyone watching online. Lord, would you just come continue your work that you're doing in, in us as a church family, and that you're doing in each one of us as individuals? Uh, would you continue that work of making us more like Jesus? So we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before we get to the sixth uh, concept, <clears throat> key concept, I was thinking about the first time that I heard Danny Meyer. Danny and Penny Meyer started this church way back in 2002. Uh, but Danny wrote <clears throat> the Gospel of Wholeness. And I'm pretty sure it was the first time I heard him teach it, that he said something that really hooked my, uh, my interest. He said something like this. He, 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 he was talking about the church and he, and he made this comparison in the church. He said in the church, it's, like it's kind of like we have this full gospel versus a half gospel. Uh, the gospel of wholeness versus the gospel of halfness, if, if you will. Uh, and if you remember, he actually, Danny did the introduction for this series. And when he did, he talked about this half full gospel and he explained the comparison by saying this. He said something like this. The church historically has way more obstetricians than pediatricians. And again, if you were raised in the church, I was raised in the church, when I, like, I just go, oh, I get that. I get what he's saying. And what that means is we're pretty confident on how to get people born again. Right? Like, uh, <laughs> that's how it happens. So come forward now. No, but... But we're pretty confident on how to get people born again, on how to introduce people to Jesus, start a relationship with Jesus. Where we're not as confident is after that, okay, how do I now live a healthy, obedient Christian life? How do I change? How do I grow? How do I then become more like Jesus? I mean, that's, that's what the gospel of wholeness is all about. As I look back on my life again, I grew up in the church, like I've always been taught, you, you know, you want to try to live the Christian life. You want to try to follow the example of Jesus. And as I look back over the years as a pastor, 
coming alongside, you know, lots of people who are trying to do, uh, trying to do the same thing. One of the areas that we all struggle with is this thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Dealing with uh, the sins that we've committed against others, uh, dealing with the sins that others have committed against us, it really is a, oh, it's a big part. It's a big part of, of life and of this Christian life following Jesus. This weekend, we're gonna talk more about dealing with sins committed against us. And then next weekend, we'll talk more about dealing with sins that, that we've committed. But if you're following along in the notes, uh, let me say this. We deal with the sins that are committed against us through forgiveness, through forgiveness. So this week's key concept <clears throat> is forgiveness from the heart. Forgiveness from the heart. And the, the key scripture is Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and verse 35. We'll look at 35 later. But Jesus says this in verse 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth or release on earth will be loosed or released in heaven. Now, uh, if you were raised in the church and if you've heard teaching on Matthew 18 or especially this verse, you may go, hey, wait a minute, Matthew 18, that's about forgiveness? I thought this verse was about uh, spiritual warfare. Isn't this about binding and loosing demonic powers? And to that I would say, well, actually, no. No, if you read chapter 18, I encourage you to do that. The context, the, 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 really the point of chapter 18, it's all about forgiveness. And this verse, verse 18, it, it teaches us, it teaches us clearly how biblical forgiveness works. So what I mean is this, how, you know, how does biblical forgiveness works? Well, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth or release on earth will be loosed or released in heaven. Matthew 18, 18 teaches us that forgiveness, this is in your notes, forgiveness is a spiritual transaction. Biblical forgiveness is a supernatural exchange between us and God. And when I look back again in my life, being raised in the church, I, I realize I've, I've, I think I've confused Forgiveness and reconciliation a lot. And those are, those are they're connected, but they're, they're very, two very different things. So simply, reconciliation is what happens between the offended party and, and the offender. And we could talk a lot about this, but when it's safe, when it's safe, reconciliation is the, it's the mending of that relational fence, right? And what I heard a lot was, you two shake hands and be friends, right? Reconciliation. That's sort of what we're talking about. But forgiveness is very different. It's very different. And I remember as a kid, this happened a lot, you know, after someone had sinned against me. Uh, and what I mean is either through words or through actions. And then typically what would happen is an adult, a teacher, a pastor, a parent, somebody would step in, an adult would step in to now correct the wrong, to now make it right. And, and, I, and I, I remember as the offended party feeling, uh, feeling pressure to forgive this person who just hurt me, right? It was almost like the spotlight got turned on me. Like, are you going to forgive Tommy? Are you going to forgive him? And, and I look at that and I think, well, what, what just happened there? Why am I suddenly the bad guy right now? Because, because... I am struggling to say the words to Tommy. I'm just making that guy name up, but uh, 
I'm joking. But I was, <laughs> no, I'm totally, oh man, Tom. But I, whoo, it got hot. Let's, let's make an exchange right now, Tom. No. Uh, but I felt like the bad guy because I was struggling to say the words, I forgive you. And, and it's sort of like, hey, why, why are you being so difficult? Why are you struggling? Isn't it just a choice? Just say, I forgive you and, 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 and be, just say the words and be done with it. But I was struggling. I was struggling because sin is a big deal. When we sin against each other, it's a big deal. This person hurt me. This person uh, embarrassed me. Uh, slandered me. I mean, you, you fill in the, right? It, it, it's, it's a big deal. When someone sins against another person, God would say, the Bible would say, yeah, that's a really big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal that God the Father would say that I sent my son to earth to be brutally murdered on a cross. Why? Because of our sins. Because of our sins. Sins, that's, it's a big deal. So here I am again as a kid. I want to do the right thing. I want to forgive, but I'm stumbling over my hurt and really the, the need for justice. So what do I do then with the, the hurt and that need for justice? And this helps us understand forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness is a supernatural exchange, something that happens between heaven and earth and earth and heaven, our will. And so there is a, a, a part of it is a choice, but it's our will connected with working with God's power. It's that place where we find relief and are set free from the pain and from this sense of injustice. Listen to this quote. This is, this is Danny. This is so good. Biblical forgiveness is more about an exchange between the offended party and God than between the offended party and the offender. Again, we're talking forgiveness. We're not talking reconciliation between two parties. We're talking about forgiveness, dealing with the, the, uh, the pain, dealing with the need for justice. If if forgiveness was dependent upon an exchange between the offended party and the offender, well, like, what do you do if the offender has died? What do you do if the offender has moved, you know, to another state and has made it very clear they don't want to have anything to do with you? Does that mean then, well, ah, I guess it's tough for you. You're just going to have to carry the pain and the wound and, you know, all that sense of injustice. You're just going to have to carry that with you for the rest of your life. Or what about when maybe you do go to the, to the offender to, to try to deal with the offense? And, and what happens if the interaction is far from healing? It's actually, you know, it adds insult to injury based on the offender's insensitive response or their lack of response. Biblical forgiveness is not dependent on the offender's response or attitude. A positive response would be great, but it's not necessary for healing for the offended party because it's, it's an exchange between the offended one and God. Another quote, forgiveness is a choice to release, to loose a person to God, recognizing that he alone is the judge, not us. And only God has the right the authority to determine the discipline, the judgment, or the revenge to be given, to be doled out, you know, onto the offender. And, and it's interesting. I've, I don't know if I've ever looked up uh, uh, the, the, you know, New Testament's originally written in Greek. I don't know if I've ever looked up, well, what, what word do they use for, what Greek word do they use for forgiveness? 
not only in Matthew 18, but really throughout the New Testament, the primary word used, here's the Greek word, it's aphiemi. And look what it means, to send away, to leave alone, and to permit. And that's really interesting to me, because think about it. When we forgive, when we make an exchange with God, what are we sending away? What are we leaving with him? And this, I don't know if this language is kind of strange, but, and what are we permitting him to do? And let me explain that. Well, uh, uh, is it not, are we not sending away and leaving with God the wound, the offense, the violation, and the desire for revenge? And are we not, and this is, are we not then permitting and saying, God, you be the judge? You be the judge over this person, over this situation. Only God is the judge. Only God is the healer. Only God can remove the pain from the injustice and from the sin. And, and <clears throat> I, I had this thought, even if the offender wanted, even if the offender wanted to remove the pain and the injustice uh, from their sin against you, they, even they couldn't do it. See, because understand what's needed in forgiveness is not just an emotional exchange, although it is very emotional or can be. And it's not just a therapeutic exchange, although I think that's part of it. And it's not just a theological exchange going on, although it is very theological. No, it, it needs to be a supernatural exchange, a choice, an action on earth to release the desire to be the judge, you know, then, then to heaven and then answered from heaven by the wound healing, wound removing power of the one true judge. And, you know, two great examples of exchanges. I don't know if I've ever seen them this way, but, but look at Jesus <clears throat> on the cross, you know, being murdered, so unjust. And what does he say? He makes an exchange really. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, they're not in charge, actually. You are. He, 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 has this, he makes this exchange with God. Or Stephen, uh, the, the follower of Jesus, Stephen, he's, he's in Acts chapter 7, he's literally being stoned to death. People are beating him, killing him with rocks. And it's amazing. He, <clears throat> he looks up to heaven and he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Like, like God, these people are the judge. These people are in charge. You are. He makes an exchange. Because I think Stephen knew, and I know Jesus knew, that as people, we are not wired to be the judge. We're just not built to be the judge. Only God. Like, I remember a game we used to play as kids. <clears throat> this will sound like I was raised with Laura Ingalls on the prairie, but we used to play a game called Hot Potato. Hey, the room. Hey, let's play. But... It'll be in the Olympics, I'm sure. <clears throat> a bit more extreme, more Hunger Games, hot potato. But, but it was basically you'd get in a circle and you had a ball and you just willy-nilly throw the ball around, but you treated that ball like what? Like a hot potato, which means when, whew, when the ball comes to you, you don't want to hold on to that ball for long. You want to quickly throw it to someone else. Otherwise, what? That it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn your hands because it's a hot potato. Just use that image. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. If we hold on to the hot potato of unforgiveness, it isn't hurting the offender. It's hurting us. It's burning our hands. We're actually usurping God's job. I want to be the judge. 
I want to be the one to choose the punishment. But God says, no, son, daughter, you, you're not built for that. Only God is the judge. So when we forgive, when we release the pain, the offense, the desire for revenge, then God, <clears throat> he then releases to us uh, from the power. Whoop, he then releases us from the power that the offender's sin had over us. It's a supernatural exchange, a supernatural healing. Uh, it's tearing up the IOU. It's handing the offender and the offense over to Jesus and then leaving it with him and walking away. And, and, I, and this is where I can, I, I can hear Danny's voice uh, say, but, but whenever you make an exchange with God, you don't ever leave God's presence empty-handed, right? Because it's an exchange. You've just handed over your brokenness, your wounds. Uh, now in return, he wants to give us his wholeness. So let me, let me here's what that means. Here's what that looks like. Uh, I'll, I'll set this up this way. How do we know, how do we know when we have unforgiveness in our hearts? How do you know when there's something going on inside that, that needs to be exchanged with God? Well, I think Andrew talked about this a few weeks back, but isn't it, isn't it when, uh, when something happens and your emotional fishing pole, wham, hooks something, something under the surface in, in, in your life, inside of you. So you're at work and, you know, someone just lightly criticizes what you've done. Or, you know, you're at school or we're with, at a family event and somebody uses you as the butt end of a joke. Or, or there's just someone that you meet that reminds you of someone from the past. But it's like, it's like something happens that doesn't seem like a big deal, but wham, it is a big deal. It hits something and your emotional pole just, just hooks something below the surface. And, and this is something that's amazing to me. I'm in my very late 40s. And, uh, uh, and I'm amazed, and I, and I know, that, isn't this true? This is the human condition. I'm amazed at how many times there are still wounds from my youth, wham, that get hooked by stuff. You know, and obviously, because what I'm talking about, I've been thinking about that this week, and just thinking about, you know, uh, just memories of being embarrassed, or being made fun of by kids, and, and there's lots of those, but, but, uh, but the memories that seem to hurt the most, as I look back, it was more when adults made fun of me or humiliated me. People who I just wanted, I just wanted them to say, hey, you're really good at that. And then they made fun. You know, that could be teachers or even pastors, uh, bosses, people in authority, and and it's amazing to me how even now, you know, in my late 50s, that I, I can be in a situation. I mean, I'm a full-grown man. You know, I, I drive a Scion. I'm a, I'm, I'm a complete person. And, and, yet, and yet, you know, someone, especially if someone in authority makes fun of me or just in some way humiliates me, I'm amazed at, wham, it it grabs something. And, and, and really, what do you do when that happens? Well, you go to God and you say, God, what's going on? God, what's been hooked? And God graciously then pulls back the carpet. You know that carpet that we've swept all this stuff under? He, he graciously pulls it back just a little bit. And he shows us, hey, he, he exposes the wound or the offense or the memory of something that needs to be exchanged. And, and as I was prepping this talk, very conveniently this week, God pulled the carpet back 
And, and uh, something that I haven't thought about in, wow, uh, 20 plus years just came back. And I got to do what I'm talking about. I got to make an exchange with God. So I want to share that with you just as an example. And so, uh, and mom and dad, it's okay. So uh, <laughs> I can just see my dad's, oh, what's he going to say? It's probably a, a knock at the door, dad, lawyer. No, but uh, no, nothing to do. But, but when I was a kid, less than 10, I think like eight, something like that, my parents went somewhere and they left my brother and I with a family from our church. And it wasn't just a random, like we knew the family. Um, and I was that kid, as a young kid, uh, I was that kid that got homesick, which is really cool. That's a good thing to put on your profile. But, uh, oh, and I'm a bedwetter at times too. So um, <laughs> that's a confidence builder. But, but I remember, you know, and I think it was the first night or maybe the second night. And if you, if you ever got homesick, you know, that, that wave rolls in when it's time to go to sleep at night. And I just remember starting to cry because I missed my mom and my dad. I missed them. And I started to cry. And the way the dad handled it, this is how I remember it. Uh, in front of my brother and his two sons, he got down in my level and looked me you know, face to face. And he went, cry, baby, cry, baby. And he said that to me. And you know, before I was sad and missing my parents, but now I was sad missing my parents and I was a little afraid of this, of this guy. And uh, let's just call this guy Sid. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's funny too, I know. But, but call, and like, I don't know if Sid's still alive. Uh, I've never talked with Sid about this. He's never apologized to me, but now, many years later, this week, sitting at my desk, just thinking about this, I thought, you know, I'm a grown man now. I'm a dad. I know what it's like to be frustrated and tired. And I, suddenly, I have, a, I have a lot of grace, or had a, you know, I have a lot of grace for Sid. That, uh, I don't agree with this technique, but, but I, you know, I felt a sense of grace. So, you know, maybe that's really not that big of a deal. But as I sat, sat there and thought about it more, I thought, no, that is a big deal. Uh, because he... He sinned against me. He humiliated me. He, <laughs> he scared me. He made me feel really small. He made me feel so stupid in front of my brother and in front of, you know, these, these peers that I had. And, uh, and, you know, as I sat at my desk, even now as I share it with you, I was amazed at the feelings that in a sense really caught up to, the, to my head, to the, to the, to the memory. And, and again, this is like 20 plus years but I, that I, I've never even thought about this. So I, I'm just sitting at my desk, feeling these feelings, thinking about all this stuff. So what did I do? I, you know, I, I made a phone call. Hello, is this the Department of Defense? I'd like to call in an airstrike, uh, <laughs> Sid. No, I didn't do that. You, and you can't do that because I tried. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You can't. But, so I went to God and I made an exchange. And, it, it, and I just sat at my desk. I just sat at my desk this week. I said, okay, Father, I release, I re hand Sid over to you, this man. Uh, uh, you deal with him. I don't even know if he's alive. But, but you help him. Lord, I, I hand that over to you. And God, 
I release to you, I hand over, you, over to you the fear I felt as a little boy when he yelled at me, when I felt in danger, when I felt small, when I felt embarrassed, I hand all that over to you. And really, God, as I look at, as I think back on that memory, all I wanted, all I needed was a hug. All I needed was for someone bigger to put their arms around me and say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So God, I release to you my offender and I release to you my offense. And, and, I, and I leave that with you. And then like, you know, like Danny would say, but uh, you know, don't leave God's presence empty-handed. And, and, you know, and, and so then I just sat and listened and you know, God might come with a feeling of warmth or a feeling of, of safety, or it might be a picture, an image, a verse, a, a lyric from a song. Like there's so many ways. But what my experience was, I, I was sitting at my desk thinking this all through, and suddenly I had this mental picture of me as a little boy, a little scared boy. And, and I saw God the Father, and he just leaned down and got face to face with me, and he said, Michael, you are strong and courageous. And he said to this scared little boy, you are strong and courageous. And I just, I'm glad no one was looking in my office at the time. I just sat at my desk and I just cried and cried and cried. I made an exchange. I made an exchange. I handed over my brokenness and in return, I received God's wholeness, God's love, God's healing. And, and this is where we experience forgiveness as a supernatural exchange. Think about this. God who was able to justify us fully when we came to him as sinners, Right? Because of what justification, what he's done, we are now as if we've never sinned. Well, it's the same. It's the same with, with, with making these exchanges. When we come to him with our wounds, through forgiveness, we are made as though we have never been, we have not been sinned against. God changes us from the inside out. And it takes time. It's, it's a lifelong process, but it's real and it's restorative, and it's healing. And, and see, and God knows the power of unexchanged sin in our hearts to wound us and cripple us. And so he, and he understands our tendency to sweep things under the carpet. And so God, he, he carries on now in Matthew 18, he, not Matthew 18, he wants to drive home how important it is that we do get in touch with what's going on in here. Verse 35 says this, he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister. How? From your heart, right? So it's, it's like, it's this head and heart that God is going after. In your notes, it's biblical forgiveness is from the heart. This means from the place of hurt and anger. We need to forgive. We need to be, we need to connect our head and our heart. We need to get in touch with the hurt and anger. We need to forgive from the place of violation and wounding. And understand the, the, to be hurt, to be angry, it's not just a human thing. It really is a biblical thing. Those are biblical responses when some, to when someone sins against us. Jesus, you know, just think of Jesus. He's rejected and mocked by the, by, and slandered by the spiritual leaders, by the very people he came to save. And as he rides into Jerusalem and he sees the city and, 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 he's, and he's thinking about their rejection of him and they're, you know, they're missing who was there, the, the opportunity that was there. What does he do? He weeps over them. He is hurt. He responds to their sin. There's deep hurt that comes out in his tears. We see Jesus in the gospels getting angry 
a story that I would, have, I would love to, to have been a fly on the wall when, deal, when Jesus deals with the money changers, you know, in the temple, doing business in the temple in the area where they should have been helping people and teaching people how to pray. How does he respond? It says that he actually made a whip, right? Like, I just wonder, what's he thinking? Oh yeah, you gonna get it. <laughs> like he's just sort of revving up and then he starts flipping tables. I mean, that he was angry. Hurt and anger are biblical responses. And if we fail to forgive, if we fail to make an exchange, hurt and anger over time can turn into despair and bitterness. There's no statute of limitations on sins committed against us. If we've been wounded or violated, the person may be long gone. But the hurt and the anger are still there if we haven't made a supernatural exchange with God. Again, it's this need to connect our head and heart. It's you know, it's, it's all these things that we've swept under the carpet. Like we look back on them now that we're older, like what I said. I was like, ah, it wasn't a big deal. I get it. I get his frustration. Well, no, 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 it was a big deal, right? Or even as a kid, sometimes as a kid, we didn't even know we'd been sinned against, but we were wounded. We, maybe as a kid, you, we thought we deserved it, right? But this is where, this is where we trust Jesus, that he, he knows when to pull the carpet back you know, he knows when it's time to deal with those old wounds. Uh, uh, you know, uh, as our emotional fishing poles hook the old wound, we need to learn to see that not as, a, as something to be avoided or as a weakness. We need to learn to see that as an invitation from God, right? When something gets hooked, it's an invitation from God to make an exchange with him, our brokenness for his wholeness. So why don't we have the worship team come back? Uh, you know, I realize as I've been talking today, you know, maybe, maybe God has pulled the carpet back a little bit for you. Maybe there's been a connection between your heart and your head. You know, the, the pain, the violation, the wound, maybe something's come to the surface and just know that what's going on in that place is God is inviting you today. He's inviting you to make an exchange with him to hand over the offender and the offense uh, and to receive his healing and his, and his love. Uh, and so we'll, take, we'll have an opportunity to do that at, uh, in our ministry time. But for now, we're gonna take communion. If you don't have your communion elements, why don't, why don't we all stand up? Please grab those now. All four corners of the room, we have them. Uh, what we're gonna do is we, and this is so fitting, uh, before we take communion, before we remember and celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, paying the penalty so that we could be healed, restored, and forgiven. Uh, I want us to read a scripture together. Uh, I just think it's so encouraging, a reminder of uh, just the closeness of Jesus and his invitation to us in these hard places, these places of hurt. Good. So let's, why don't we throw that up? Let's read this scripture together. Will you join with me? Here we go. Hebrews 4.14 says, So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks for it. He broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body given for you. Let's take the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with, with my blood, with the blood of Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's take the blood. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.